is your need? Let us talk to God about it. Nothing is too hard for him. That which may seem impossible with men is possible with God. You may be facing a physical challenge at this moment. I talked to a man this week. His knees are giving him some great problems because the ligaments are worn and it's bone rubbing against bone. We need to include him in our prayer tonight. Some people have a problem with feeling eyesight or what seems to be feeling eyesight. But God will touch you tonight. What about pains in and about the body? Migraines, tonsillitis, hearing problems, memory problems. Yes, what about increasing level of tiredness, energy deficiency? What about this lady with a chest congestion, severe cold? What about children and grandchildren facing sickness and other challenges? We need to remember in prayer, parents who must cope with children with physical challenges such as autism. Pray for peace, unity and love in homes, in marriages. Pray for familiar troubles, health problems, relationships. May God meet. Father, in the name of Jesus, we have presented a list before you tonight. You have heard every one of our requests. You have noticed every one of our needs. Nothing on this list is too hard for you. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is impossible. But you are able to accomplish everything that we ask in the name of Jesus. Bless, heal, root out all negative hindrances, heal all hearts, give willingness to everyone to forgive those who have done them wrong and give everyone the power to receive forgiveness when it is offered to them. Lord, release your peace, prosperity, and provision in every area of our lives. Bless us indeed. Enlarge our coast. Let no evil come near us. Let no evil come nigh our dwelling. Let your hand be continually with us and let us cause no one any evil or harm. May we patiently and bravely wait for your blessing and promises, fulfillment and fulfillment of your promises in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for each person in the house tonight. Thank you for each person online tonight. Bless them. Bless their home and let their lives be changed for the better from this moment onward in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Tonight, we are beginning a series of lessons on the theme, Highlights from the Book of Ephesians. 
We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every book of the Bible is good. But from time to time, God will lead us to focus on a particular book. Not that that book is better than any other book, but God knows the seasons. He knows the times. And I feel strongly tonight that we should examine the book of Ephesians and see what God will say to us at this season of our life. As I said, all scripture is good and sung, but Ephesians seem to be especially designed to build up the believer, to make you know who you are in Christ and to offer you strength and support in your walk with God, to give you counsel as you go along the Christian pathway. And so we will be turning to this book, chapter 1. We'll be focusing on verse 1 to about verse number 15. And we will see what are some of the special highlights that God will give to us. Ephesians is a useful tool for every believer. And as we uh, point out, we pointed out earlier, it has several highlights that will attract our attention and not only attract our attention, but will be beneficial to our spiritual lives. As we examine these highlights tonight, we want you to use them as stepping stones or laddering toward your desired goal in Christ. For all of us desire to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're not content to remain on the plains or in the valley. We want to climb the high mountains. We want to soar like the eagle. We want to rise in Jesus and by his grace. The book conveniently divides itself in half because in the midst of the six chapters, the doxology and the, or a closing benediction appears right in the middle at the end of chapter 3, just before the beginning of chapter 4. And that is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It seems as though the Holy Spirit divided the book in half. The first half of the epistle will tell us who we are in Christ. And the last half will teach us how we ought to walk in Christ in the light of who we are. So the first half, chapters 1 to 3, talk about our wealth in Christ. And chapter 4 to 6 describes our walk with Christ. So it's wealth in chapters 1 to 3, and it's walk in chapters 4 to 6. Thank God for the wealth that we have in Christ. But we need to be able to know and to understand how to walk with Him. We begin by pointing out exactly who we are in Christ. There are 10 words that give us the picture of who we are in Christ. 
So 
Ephesians tells us, Paul, he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, for God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That is Ephesians 1 and 3. Then the next high point is in verse number 4. Blessed in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him. We are not only blessed, brothers and sisters, but we are chosen in Christ. Chosen. You're not just blessed. You are chosen, selected, and picked, separated from the rest of the bunch. You are one among millions. And this was done before the foundation of the world. Could our finite mind wrap itself around this declaration chosen before the foundation of the world, before we were born, and long before that, God made his choice of us. In his choice, he had a plan for us to stand in holiness while we wait the glorious manifestation of, the, of his divine plan. As we are walking in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We are chosen to be holy, and that is why the Holy Spirit keeps on leading us into all truth, away from that which defiles we're chosen to be holy and to be blameless in love before our Savior. Are you afraid you may not be able to make it in Christ? Are you one of those who start in the race and then you say you wonder if you're going to finish? I say to you tonight, fear not, for he is with you to keep you and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, Jude, verse 24. You are chosen by the one who is the author and the finisher of your faith. He started it. He will conclude it. In the end, he will be the victor, and we will be the victor. With Christ, you cannot and will not fail. Once you stay with Him, trust Him. He has chosen you. You are more than a conqueror. That's who you are. You are chosen. So take your liberty now and say, I am blessed. I am chosen. Now we go to high point number three. That is in verse number five of Ephesians chapter one. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now people get a little confused when they see the word predestinated. But here is what it is. We are 
interesting words. Just think of a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. He had become lame in both of his feet. And David the king sent for him and promised him that he would eat at the king's table continually. Second Samuel chapter 9. It's an interesting story. With lame feet, having lost his father and his mother, being as it were an orphan, David said to him, you will eat bread at my table continually. Imagine him sitting there with his two broken legs and enjoying all the delicacies of the king's table. How did he feel? He could have felt out of place. But Mephibosheth felt accepted. Yes, accepted. Jesus may have had this very thought in mind when he said, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out John 6 and 37. You come to Jesus, you are no longer a stranger, but you are a member of the household of faith. It is the prodigal son who returned home, broke, busted, and disgusted, and was greeted by a father who caused the fatted calf to be killed, and a party, a feast, a banquet to be hosted for him, the one who had chosen the broad road and now comes back home having learned the hard way. How did he feel? The father made him to feel accepted. All we like sheep had gone astray. We had turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. But when we returned penitently, we were accepted. And you are still accepted. We are accepted. There is no reason to think you are left out or locked out. You are in. You too are accepted. Right now, you are accepted. So rejoice. Put a smile on your face and lift up your heart and your spirit in thankfulness to God. You are accepted. The fifth word of interest to us in these highlights is the word redemption and that is found in verse number seven. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Redemption. You and I are bought with a price. We are bought and paid for with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. You now belong to Jesus who bought you, bought you back from the enemy who had held you as a captive. Jesus paid the full price for you. The ransom price was fully paid 
before you and I have prayed this prayer, oh Lord, please give me the wisdom I need in this matter. We have done that several times, haven't we? Has God ever come true for you? Yes, many, many, many times. He always has. He always does. His wisdom and prudence has been working or coming coming to us in the hour of our need because he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Yes, you can make it, sister, brother. You too can make it because his wisdom becomes your wisdom. So let's not be afraid to tap in on his wisdom in times when a decision has to be made. The Lord's wisdom is in you. Ask him to stir it up and let it come forth at the time of need. Maybe this is a crucial moment for you. Today is crucial. This moment is crucial. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He is given wisdom abundantly. Number eight. Another high point is found in verse number 11. Moving a little fast here. Verse number 11. The Bible says, In whom we have obtained an inheritance. We're not only family members in the kingdom of God, but we are, clo we are close members of God's household. So, we become heirs. We will share with Christ in whatever has been promised him. Does this sound too good to be true? Let us look at Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness, witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, sons of God, and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In other words, according to Romans 8, 16 and 17, we will be sharing in whatever Christ inherits from his Father. You see, that has got to be a lot because it's a lot of us. This whole world, the world that you know, and the unknown worlds, riches that you could imagine, and riches beyond your imagination, all belong to God. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Whatever gifts the Father gives to his Son, you and I, will be sharing in those gifts. You say, but pastor, I'm just an ordinary person. Well, the record says that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. 
we understand what joint is. Joint means that we will share. We will share. How can it be that God the Father would exalt a sinner to such heights based on his faith in the blood of his son? How could God do such a thing to cause ordinary people, men and women, boys and girls who believe in Jesus to share in the inheritance that Christ received? How can it be that God the Father would do such a thing? Amazing love. How can it be that Christ my God should die for me and give me an inheritance following the counsel of his own will. The Father himself desires that it should be so, and he made that decision from the foundation of the world. He gave his own begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To all, not only everlasting life, but should have some of the benefits that come along with the, with the Savior. One of those benefits is our inheritance and our portion of what Christ has received. Gentile believers become fellow heirs with Christ according to Ephesians 3 and 6. We move a little further and faster. Number nine, we have a place to lean on in verse number 13, I like the scripture that says, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom you also trusted. Now, one of the benefits of having Christ the Savior is this. We have someone on whom to lead, someone on whom to lead, and he's always there, always present, always near. The Christ in whom you believed is still a guarantee that he will stand by your side. He is still a rock. He is still a refuge. He is still the portion that you need. And I say to you tonight that when you trust in Him, you are secure. You are strong. You are protected. And we read earlier on in this chapter that we are blessed, we are chosen, we are predestined to sonship, we are accepted fully by our Heavenly Father into the family of God. We are bought and paid for. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are secure in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, since we are all of that, the Lord says to us that we have
made a good choice. We have made a right choice. We have trusted in Christ Jesus. We have been forgiven. We have been blessed with godly wisdom and understanding. Now we are believers in him. And all these blessings flow from him as a result of our faith. The whole package is ours. Our name is written on it. Let's go ahead and accept it. All of it. I am what God says I am. And now, another high point, final high point, is probably the highest point. It says in verse number 10, but in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed. Underline that word, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Promise is a good word, especially when God has made it. He always comes true. But I want you to notice the word sealed. We are sealed. Sealed, by the, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. A seal does several things. I'll quickly outline some of them. A seal uh, means that the transaction is finished. When the transaction is finished, you put the stamp on it, you put the seal on it, and that's it. It means the transaction is finished. Seal means security. The soldiers had to put a seal on the tomb of Jesus to make sure that it was secure as far as man was concerned. Security. Seal means ownership. Every man in uh, New Testament days had his own seal. And that seal indicated the ownership. Just like how people who own cattle have a brand that they put on their cattle. And that means ownership. Seal also means recognition or identification. Seal also means secrecy. Those whom he has chosen, he has put a seal on them. And the enemy will not be able to remove the seal. He wouldn't even won't be able to find the seal. But you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The seal also means obligation. Once you put your seal there, you're obliged or you're obligated to fulfill that which is stated before or around that seal. The seal also is authority. The seal is authority. Thank God, we, when we believed, we submitted ourselves to the authority of God Almighty. And finally, the seal is an impression, meaning it is outward proof of inward truth. When a person put their seal on something, they're saying 
what is in that container is bona fide. It is genuine. It is right. It's like the old lady that says, nobody says hands until I say hands. She puts that seal, that tag, that label on that piece of garment. Point is, God has given us the seal of his Holy Spirit and importantly, it is a seal that tells the world and that tells us we belong to God. In these good things, we should have confidence that God means great things to us and for us. We should have confidence. And it is not time for us to go around despondent or discouraged or depressed. God is with us. And he has told us these things in the book of Ephesians to give us encouragement. I don't know how much this message has been able to encourage you, but I want you to know that you could walk around now with the assurance and with the confidence. You could say, I am blessed. I am chosen. I am predestined by God to be a son. I am accepted. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I am abounding in the wisdom of God that resides inside of me. I have obtained an inheritance from my God. I am trusting in my God. And above all, I'm sealed. I've heard people say, sealed, signed, and delivered. Done deal. We are complete in Christ. Let us pray at this time. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you did a thorough job when you released your son to come into this world to die for our sins and to rise again from the dead. You did a complete job and you had everything all planned out. You even chose us before the foundation of the world. You sealed us before the foundation. You adopted us to be sons and daughters in the kingdom. Lord, you were thinking about us when we weren't even thinking about you. Such was your love. Help us, Lord, to continue to follow you and to lean hard on the everlasting arms. Bless your children. Meet their every need tonight and every night. Give them a good night's rest and help them to wake tomorrow with confidence and strength, rejoicing in the day that you have made 